Hello and welcome to PCI Power's podcast channel, Secure Payments. We recently held our inaugural virtual event, Payments, the Future of Security and CX. The agenda was jam-packed with speakers from across our global ecosystem, but we wanted to probe these experts further. Here is a compilation of their responses to some of today's biggest payments and customer experience questions. Do you think it is important to offer consumers a range of payment methods? I think first of all, because many, I mean, if not most customers are expecting that their favorite payment method should be available. There's the substantial increase in mobile payments where a growing number of online purchases are taking place. And many merchants are also developing their own digital wallets. In addition to, when you've got the traditional providers such as PayPal, there's this growing popularity in services such as Amazon Pay, Google Pay, Apple Pay, Square, Stripe, also from the major brands such as Masterpass, Visa Checkout. So customers prefer their familiar options that they trust. And some studies indicate that about 20% of people who need to make online payment transactions will abandon the transaction if they didn't trust the site with their card data information. So the majority of payments that we see are still made with direct debit and credit card payments. Uh, Two thirds of payments cards issues worldwide, I think since 2019, have this EMV chip technology. So we see this adoption as well to really cater for customers' choice of payment to help them make it secure? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, um, as we've seen from a demographic standpoint, right, your your millennials, your Gen Zs and so forth have a very good comfort level with this. And most of them are going to be going, you know, bankless and, and just using applications uh, as a means to pay for it. So whether it be the WhatsApp and Messengers, whether it be um, leveraging, you know, the cash and, and the Venmos, what have you, these are these are facilitators, um, and they become more comfortable with it. And you know, the bank and the bigger institutions become less of a brand to them and just more of a facilitator. And so, because of that, and also the global remit now that e-commerce has has really taken a hold of, you know, with the pandemic, with us all being, you know, contained. The ability to kind of localize shopping really became globalized. So demographic shifts, global opportunities, and now with the whole digital currency uh, lift, those three things I think will create a bigger opportunity and space for digital payments. And because there's so many platforms in which to use, uh, that also opens up the opportunity. So I think those three things are going to drive change and drive new opportunities, new mindsets. I mean, just imagine, you know, I am now able to basically use uh, a card to do, to pay for an item using Bitcoin as the asset, right? That's crazy, right? That would not have been thought of, um, you know, five years ago, but here we are living that with, with the credit card that's backed by Bitcoin that I can swipe and pay for my pizza. And that basically is transacting in a matter of seconds. Oh my God. Uh, it is so important, uh, even more so now, because customers have a choice. So for businesses, it is not only imp- important to understand their customers, it is also important to understand their customer preferences and the changing behaviors. What we have observed over the past year and continuing now is um, an increase in first-time users of digital services. And of course, these will have preferences as how they want to 
interact with companies and how they want to make payments. This is absolutely evidenced by uh, uh, the, the way people interact with payment facilities across geographies. In my keynote, I actually showed some of that. Uh, and indeed, a market like the United Kingdom, for example, will have very different behaviors to, to the German market or indeed the American market. So it's so important to understanding customer preferences because a payment method that is popular in one geography will not necessarily be popular in another. Um, of, of course, it's, it's very important. I mean, business agility is, is so important. Um, you know, I work for a large corporation, so sometimes it's easier to work around our processes than to work around another uh, a supplier's processes. So the more agile you are, the more customers you can attract and retain. Of course, we're seeing increases in the number of payment methods that merchants want to accept. It's an ever-evolving landscape. It could uh, consist simply of traditional methods such as a credit card or an electronic check. But as additional payment methods begin to uh, evolve as they spread across the globe, uh, certainly, there is a need to secure all those payment methods and uh, being able to do that in the same workflow with the same call center agents and, and systems that are in place today is of utmost importance to our customers. What emerging technology is most likely to disrupt how businesses process payments? It's a, it's a very broad question. I think in terms of the payment industry, there are three layers. So to understand where the disruption is taking place and where we will see substantial disruption next, it is quite useful to know where to place it within this overall payment uh, industry ecosystem. So the first is the service layer channel. So this is the medium through which payments, uh, the payment transactions are initiated. And this is where most innovation uh, currently occurs. So we saw innovation in digital banking, e-commerce payment systems, mobile uh, payment applications. And then you have the second layer, which is the systems and infrastructure layer. So this is where the, the payment system and financial institutions levels are that they contain the network systems that provide their interconnectivity between the payment institutions. And also they perform the identity and validation of the transactions and the core accounting applications through which payments are processed. And then the third layer is the settlement layer. So that, that's the stage where the payments are made uh, irrevocable. So I can briefly describe what we see in each of these layers in terms of innovation and disruption. So at layer one, the service channel, we see that, uh, for example, last year in 2020, contactless payments increased twice as fast as non-contactless payments, for example, at grocery stores in the United States during the pandemic. So there's this increase in contactless digital wallet and mobile payments solutions, uh, also a substantial increase in payments made by wearable devices, your digital wallets together with this exponential growth in the impasse market. Uh, impasse, as you, def you can define it as this portable mobile point of sale, which works as payment register by your, your smartphone or tablet. So this increased adoption uh, also of home assistants and smart speakers, uh, this is also what we see as where allow it consumers and users to give voice commands to the speaker and receive this response. So as we know that Amazon.com was the first uh, vendor out there to come up with this first smart speaker in 2014. So some research indicates that around one third of people 
are already using smart speaker systems to make regular purchases of items. And just about under a third are using it to send money and making direct payments. So we can see that this as, as ongoing disruption at layer one. Now at layer two, the central infrastructure level, there's this considerable appetite for innovation because there's a lot of legacy systems. So digital payments offer this solid security and uh, they employ measures like tokenization, which replace your, your payment card numbers with uh, random values, which is much more secure. And then we will see at this level as well, also the increase in uh, the support for biometric authentication, uh, adoption of these technologies as well to secure payment card data transactions between the service layer and the central payment infrastructure. And then we see this progression of open banking as well, where banks will release their data in a secure standardized form so that it can it can be shared more easily between the authorized organizations online. So uh, for example, they use this uh, open APIs that will enable third-party developers to build applications and services around financial institutions. So we will see this also as, as interesting innovation and, and disruption eventually in that second layer. Now, lastly is the layer three, uh, the settlement disruption. So this is the area where there's the, typically the least disruption that we've seen over the last decade or so. So, but we are seeing this increased adoption of distributed ledgers technology. Uh, in other words, blockchain implementations. So uh, we can already see that there's this existing patent applications for cryptocurrency settlement systems. Blockchain payment technology will definitely continue to advance quite rapidly. Uh, we are seeing merchants that are already uh, accepting crypto payment currency, uh, currency. We will see also there's a wider adoption in the retail and hospitality industries. So blockchain payment systems will likely become very common for everyday transactions, including whether it's your home and car titles, legal contracts, uh, retail inventory and distribution systems. <clears throat> Number one is, is always the 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 platform, right? So the mobile phone platform, the watch platforms are now enabling those touchless interactions. I think now with that is starting to open up how that is made. So I think QR codes are finally moving here to the to the states, North America. Uh, they've always not always, but they've had a pretty successful run in in Asia, um, and I think that's going to change the dynamic of how small businesses really are able to price and, and, and take in money as it becomes more more cashless. I think the other thing is, like I said, digital currencies uh, <clears throat> being able to, as institutional players are now using that money for investments and hedging, it's causing more stability in the marketplace. And so now you're going to find people be able to buy and sell better with digital currencies and then using those as backstops um, so you don't have to actually execute the digital currency in the payment because it takes along with the distributed network. But using stored currencies or currencies that are custodial held as an asset that are already there and can be traded pretty quickly to make a transaction. So I think that's changing the game with digital currencies. And then the last thing, um, I think just, again, the ubiquity of payments in every form of a transaction, whether it be uh, the whole microfinancing, right? The ability to do buy now and pay three installments later, microfinancing, the ability to do it through a messenger or WhatsApp or communication platform, or the ability just to do it from the product itself um, and do a digital payment or insurance, you know, if I'm buying my Apple or Tesla products. So I think that's really changing the game is that having the consumer brands actually do the transaction and do the financing, um, leveraging digital currencies 
and then leveraging your phone, your, your mobile access to do QR codes and other things that are native into a phone app. So uh, it, it's not about technology per se. It's about um, what kind of interaction uh, are customers going to uh, want to have? What is it going to be? Uh, what is it going to be for them? How convenient is it going to be for them? How trusted is it going to be for them? So it's not just one technology; it's many technologies that can apply. Um, if we if we look at the regulations, for example, so in Europe we have the Second Payment Services Directive, which mandates strong customer authentication. Of course, this is evidenced by many technologies, such as the deployment deployment of three uh, D. Uh, Secure, which I uh, touched on my uh, my presentation, and you have seen how that particular standard has evolved over the years. I mean, 3DS1 was deployed in 2001, uh, and we are now on to 3DS 2.2, which is all about customer experience. So, in terms of technologies that will help organization providing uh, uh, the, the kind of experiences that uh, their customers expect, uh, it, it, it will be many, many fold. It's just those that will make security easier. Uh, it will be those that make the interaction easier, supplementing human agents, for example, with technologies such as um, chat facilities and chatbots to answer questions that are quite simple and only reverting to a human agent um, when necessary or for more complex questions. So in terms of emerging technology, anything around identity and authentication, uh, I think, will benefit uh, uh, the payments industry in general, and this is happening now, but technologies such as machine learning and artificial intelligence to identify behaviors or to help customers throughout the interaction will also be very important. Yeah, so I think um, it's it's all about mo the movement of communications to the cloud. So whether it's contact center as a service or other cloud-based services, um, that's probably going to disrupt a lot of business processes and change the way a lot of people do business. Um, and I think one thing to be aware of there is don't give up too much control to your, your cloud providers. You need to maintain the visibility and you need to maintain some control over how your agents are processing payments. Um, perhaps some of the disruptive technologies that we're seeing are uh, perhaps portals, uh, push payments, where a, a customer is pushing a payment to a merchant, either via a portal or an app. Um, payment methods like Apple Pay, uh, where you can uh, transact most of that uh, yourself on your own app, on your own mobile device, are uh, certainly methods that are going to be disruptive as merchants move to push payments more to the responsibility of the of the account holder, the card holder, uh, they want their customer to manage that as much as possible and and limit the amount of interaction that their own employees have. Albeit, you'll never get rid of that, especially when there are questions, concerns. There's been an issue with the processing of the payment. There's always going to be that need to reach out to uh, someone to speak about the process. What other changes in customer experience should businesses look out for in the next five years? I think the, if we consider that mobile mobile platforms, it's already the primary channel for customer engagement. Uh, 
So there are various studies. I think there was one study from Adobe recently where they said that 92% of respondents said that their smartphone is their primary device. So smartphones have really overtaken computers as the top e-commerce source as well. So I think we will continue to see innovation of and, and improvement of the mobile platforms and at the use of mobile technology for customer engagements. I, I do think that businesses are now realizing the value more of their contact center. Like this is going to be the new store, so to speak, right? So the physical store that you had will always be there and you'll have some banner stores, you know, that act kind of as displays and interact with the brand, kind of like your Apple stores, right? You go and touch things and so forth, but you pretty much order online. So that experience now is going to be pushed to the contact center as that kind of last stop. I'm online, I quite didn't know whether it was there, so I'm gonna call somebody or interact with somebody to finalize my purchase. And so now those agents uh, will be recommend, recommending new ideas or recommending new products or facilitating conversations about how to pair uh, you know, the Bluetooth, <laughs> the Bluetooth plug-in ear sets with the phone or to give you the mortgage, but also say you should probably also get insurance. So I think this whole uh, idea that the contact center is just a servicer will now be moved up and said, this is actually a footprint to profitability and there'll be more selling uh, advice, consultation in the contact center and through that facilitating, you know, payments and so forth and so on. So I think just we're going to see more elevation uh, of the contact center as a stronger part of the business and not just the service side. Uh, I think businesses probably should should look at their market segments and should look at the for those that are in retail payments, they should look at consumer behaviors very, very carefully uh, because there are some demographics perhaps that were left or, or, or not considered. Now everyone is becoming digital and it's about understanding customer preferences. It's about, about understanding those preferences and certainly doing the right thing for them because customers will stick with the service. You have a very, very small amount of real estate now that everyone is more or less mobile. There's a very small amount of real estate on a mobile phone, for example. So customers will be willing to try something new. They will be willing to interact. As soon as it becomes a trusted interaction, which is anything, for example, related to financial, financial services or any other kind of trusted interaction, then they expect it to be safe and they expect it to be convenient. So they'll try it once. If it's convenient, if it provides value, and if it's safe, they'll probably stick with it. But if it doesn't, then it will soon leave because they will walk. So it's understanding that that is absolutely important because there is still the discrepancy in understanding from, uh, from merchants that actually security for consumers is, is an afterthought. It is not, it is a priority. I think it's all about combining the the customer experience, right? So a, a big part of that is um, online now and um, contact center as a service is a big opportunity. Um, I think it should be interesting. There's always going to be a need to look out for uh, accounting for all your demographics, those who are less savvy with uh, mobile devices, with uh, web portals, etc. They'll always need additional channels whereby they can receive support. 
However, as uh, demographics of, of younger uh, generations who are more comfortable with uh, an, an app, uh, paying via an app, paying via portal, etc., cetera, uh, rise as those generations rise, uh, certainly we'll see them evolve uh, their methods of payment, their methods of interaction. I, I think you'll see an, a continual increase in the self-service model and in push payments where uh, people are allowed to manage the process of payment themselves from their own device and thus limiting the need for interaction on a physical level with a merchant or a physical device. What emerging technology is most likely to disrupt customer experience? Uh, I think in short, it should be some of them should be fairly obvious the use of artificial intelligence machine learning automation this forecast that uh, computerized personas such as when we already many people are familiar with siri alexa cortana so i think they will speak on behalf of companies taking orders they provide support answering questions and also in terms of, of payments as well so all of this will will really continue to disrupt the cx industry yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest <clears throat> part that's going to disrupt CX is again um, what I would call the experiential part of the business. So the idea that it's not just a purchase and pay, or it's not just a buy and purchase, but it's really this um, experience where subscription based, I would say, and I think this is going to be seen more and more for for every product is that things are going to be subscribed to, right? It's already happened kind of on, if I, if I use the brands, the rent, the runways and the clothing lines and I'm buying ahead of time and I'm subscribing and they're giving me boxes every day. But even more so as you think about like, if I like something and I don't like it and I'm gonna return it, um, but I'm paying this, this subscription fee it's going to change the way the game is done because it's not just a one and done transaction. Now it's going to be, can you continue to deliver value along my subscription? So the Netflix play of giving you new, new movies and new content and the Hulus and all that, think about the volume of movies and stories they have to produce <clears throat> to keep people wanting to pay that 12 or $15. I think you're going to see the same thing that's going to happen in this space is that people will lock in, pay a price, uh, that's a you know a minimum fraction of what they should probably be paying to keep an ongoing subscription. But part of that is going to be what's the value service you're bringing me? Is the service so great that it's worth you know the fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars a month? Um, so I think the subscription model is really going to put the payments piece on its head, where it's not just paying now, but it's paying in perpetuity. But to pay in perpetuity, you have to add value to me as a customer to do that. Um, and whatever mechanism I use to pay, whether it be digital currency, QR codes, cash, you know, credit cards, whatever, the thing is that it has to be ongoing. And so I need to see value every month that new bill comes in that I soon forget about it and it becomes a part of my life. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a single emerging technology, but it's more the combination of a lot of things, right? So the multimodal, um, communications that's happening now. So whether it's through social, it's through chatbots, it's through the IVR, it's through talking to agents directly. Um, I think 
you're going to see a lot more focus around bringing all of those together to have a cohesive customer experience. Thanks to all of today's contributors and thank you for listening to our latest episode, Payments, the Future of Security and CX. Remember to like and subscribe to our channel and for more material on data security and PCI compliance, check out our Knowledge Centre at PCIPAL.com.